Hello, and welcome to Dad Educates Daughter, Series 3, Episode 6. I'm Dad, Russell, and this is daughter, Rebecca. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. How are you? Um, okay. So, how did you find last week? Because I, on paper think you should have had a really good week okay and certainly much better than last week it was much better than last week but last week was just a ridiculous week it was not enjoyable this week it was different than I thought it would be because I didn't recognize any of the artists and I mean uh, apart from bros bros however you say it and that's only because we did the um Christmas episode and I had one song from them I tried to put that aside because I weren't that big a fan of their song. But it's been nice because I feel like this week, I think I'm right with most of it, is a lot of pop. So it's more up my street, you know, it's not rock. We're away from the rock. We've got a bit of pop rock, I'd say, but it's mostly pop. And I'm like, I've noticed uh, the more we do this, that every band has some sort of love song. And it's nice that they're all different, but I'm not really, apparently, a love song person i'm not a big fan of the love songs um and also i feel like there's a lot of duos this week or the main focus has been two people anyway and i've had a little bit of a uh guess here but i feel like majority of these bands are english i don't know what's giving me that that vibe i think it's the way they sing um maybe i'm getting a bit of an accent um but yeah so it's not been a bad week but side note the more I do this review, the more when I'm watching like TV shows or moot like films, I'm noticing more 80s in the background and I'm recognising it more and more and I'll be there and be like, I know this song. So I think you're definitely influencing me in some way. There you go. There you yeah. go. Educating you, influencing you, whatever it is, you're listening to what I perceive as the best era of music. Yeah. That stand that it stands the test of time. You've definitely done something to me, that's for sure. So I shall just remind you and our viewers, I shouldn't think you need much reminding if you've been listening to them, of the yeah. six bands you had. So you had, as you've already said, Bross, you had Climby Fisher, then Jericho, Voice of the Beehive. Mental as anything and wax. So, yeah. how many number ones do you think you heard? I've gone for one this week. I've gone low. Mm, okay. um, I didn't have a vast amount of songs. No. I went for, I think it might have come from Bross. Okay, which one? Um, I think When Will I Be Famous. Okay. Let's talk music then let's do it let's talk bros first then yeah so what was your um opinion of bros so considering i didn't like their christmas song it was silent night it weren't good compared to the classic it made them sound like a weird group so i had a bit of a pre-judgment on them based on that they were an unexpectedly good start to the week they're not as weird as i had in my head 
that you know I recognized a couple of their songs which I was quite happy with because I had no idea who they were really um I think they're related they look alike I think they're a duo as well the main vocalist I feel like has quite a feminine voice but it changes as we go on and I think they had a slight change in sound as well so I went with their genre being pop synth pop I think I had a lot of program sounds but I think it, they had a bit of rock in there at some point and they like a play around with a like different tempos based on their videos you know they do a lot of live performances there was one that stood out um cat amongst the pigeons i watched that one and that one was more of a story like it was a an actual video rather than a live performance but i just i didn't get it but i also didn't really get the song you know cat amongst the pigeons is a very odd name for a song um They've got that classic. Just, just on Cat Amongst, sorry to butt in, but yeah. Cat Amongst the Pigeons. Yeah. That was the double A side with Silent Night. Oh, was it? So they done like Erasure did, where they had a yeah. non Christmas song in Cat Amongst yeah. the Pigeons. And funny enough, Erasure had Stop. And then yeah. you had Silent Night, and Erasure had She Won't Be Home. So Erasure actually had an EP, mm-hmm. but they had a double A side. Yes. Okay, that's I mean that's interesting. Wouldn't put it with it and like I say I really don't get cat amongst pigeons. Um yeah, I think they've got that classic eighties look. And I feel like a lot of people might have taken inspiration from their style. They're quite an easy one to copy and you probably would have been able to remake their style in uh um just by going to the shops. Also, towards the end, I think they lost that coolness that 80s like really good look towards the end like you can see them age a bit but yeah it was a good start to our week it was like i say unexpectedly good start so it weren't bad okay so bros were a trio oh okay so you had brothers matt and luke goss matt was on vocals and luke was on drums and then you had Craig Logan on bass. Okay, so the bros came from like bros. So um, they were a trio, very much like a ha. Three lads. Yeah. Same so, court sort of image as well, actually, with the jeans and t-shirts, to be honest. Yeah, but I feel um, like these are a bit more cool than a, than a ha. Yeah, well, they were, I suppose, later I on. I mean, and a ha also being Norwegian. They didn't have that British yeah, look about them. Um, yeah. So they were formed in Camberley, Surrey, in 1986. And they are quite literally a pop group. Oh, okay. So. There's no rock in there at all. Uh, not really. Well, I mean, what song was you thinking there was rock? Mm, let me try and find it. Like. Um... Oh, it does say, actually, teen pop, pop rock. There was something. It weren't like there was a song on its own that was very rock. They uh, still, it was just like something that got in there that changed the beat up a bit. Okay. Well, it does say pop rock as well. So I only wrote down pop. But um, there is a bit of rock, but I don't, I don't see it myself. But as you've now said it, obviously, maybe there was. Um, so, yeah, twins Matt and Luke were born in Lewisham, London, 
but they settled in Camberley after their parents had split up and their mum moved to Camberley not long after. So it was their mother's boyfriend who actually picked up on their interest in music and bought Luke an electric drum kit and Matt a saxophone. So that that obviously got them into it more a bit more as actual musicians. Yeah, um, the twins were then part of a, a band, funny enough, called Blue, not the actual oh, Blue, at school. And um, they met Craig, who played bass at another in another band at the school. So he was in a separate school band. Right. Okay. Um, Logan has since recalled how the brothers came to his house to tell him they had split from Blue and wanted Logan to join them in a new group. Mm. Um, so Logan agreed and they went through a variety of names before setting on Gloss. Gloss. Gloss, yes. G-L-O-S-S. Um, the group were noticed by Bob Herbert, who was looking to break into the music business as a manager. And after hearing about them, through his son, Chris, who was also at the school, which is Collingwood, Bob got involved by allowing the band to practice in his summer house and paid for them to record demos. However, as a trio were under the age of 18, he couldn't get them to sign a contract. So he was wow. doing it in hope that they would stick by him, I suppose. Okay, so like staying with him until they're old enough. Yeah, to then him to be able to sign them to an actual contract. Why do you have to be 18? For anyone to work, you need to be 18, really. Or at least, on, I mean, you can have a paper round, obviously, but as far as a contract work, you need to be 18. Yeah, but I swear there's younger recording artists now. Yeah, but they might not be signed up. In other words, they get all the royalties, or sometimes you get round it with your parents uh, being your manager yeah, and true. things like that. So, yeah. So, during this time, Gloss met Nicky Graham. Now, he's a songwriter producer who was working with music manager Tom Watkins, who was or has had been Pet Shop Boyd's manager Ooh. at his music company, Massive Management. So Nicky suggested that Watkins saw the band, um, which he did. However, he was unimpressed with both their look and their music, but saw a potential to be shaped into a boy band for the teen girl market with himself and Nicky Graham writing the songs. So okay. I suppose about that time, there was no real boy band. I mean, when you think of the groups you've had, you've listened the to, audiences. you know, Aha were a bit of a, although they didn't want that image, mm. I suppose were a bit of a teenage girl, heartthrob sort of band. But outside of that, I mean, you have your dad with the whams and the Duran Durans, but there was no yeah, one else coming through. No yeah. So um, I suppose he was right in that the market was a bit empty. You know, yeah. So um, saw potential in it. So yeah. So that's 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 what happened. So um, so Gloss split from Herbert and went on to sign a contract with Watkins Management Company, Massive, 
Um, now, the first thing that Watkins did was he changed their name from Gloss to Bross. So okay. he even, he literally had everything um, to do with them. He changed their name. He wrote their songs. Um, he he literally had full control. He'd done their image. So, yeah. Um, so he and Graham wrote the songs for them under Poseidon of The Brothers, which I didn't know. I always thought that Bross wrote their own songs. Oh, so it's only from right. doing this, I've actually found out that it wasn't Bross. And as it does say, um, he chose the brothers in order to make it look as though the Goss brothers had written the songs as it was all about giving the right impression. Because if people know that oh, you're just, all you're doing is singing Sing songs. songs. So he made it look like they were the people actually writing the songs and i'll be honest up until now i thought that as well i honestly thought they were the songwriters so um their debut single i owe you nothing mm -hmm. was released in august 1987 okay. however it only reached number 80 in the uk chart oh but i've got it Oh, okay, if you it's their first single. Huh. I'm quite shocked. That However, their know. breakthrough came when the second single, When Will I Be Famous, was released in November 1987 and reached number one in Ireland. It also Ooh. reached the top ten in Australia, Austria, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, France, West Germany, as it was at the time, Iceland, Netherlands, Norway, Spain, and Switzerland. So in wow. that, those countries, it was number. It was in the top ten. So it was number one in Ireland. Um, in Australia, it got to number five. Um, in Denmark, it got to number two. In Norway, it got to number two. And in Switzerland, it got to number two. So the only major country it didn't get to in um, in the top ten in Europe was Sweden. So pretty much all the main countries it got to the, in the top ten. So that was their big breakthrough. Okay, I think it's going to be number one here as well. Um, while in the US, it made number 83 on the Billboard Hot 100. That's not too bad. Although they did make number 10 on the US Dance Chart Club Songs. Okay. So they've kind of hit in the US. So, yeah. So they then released their debut album, Push, in March 1988. And that reached number two in the UK and Iceland album charts and did make number one in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. so that, and that's the album charts, obviously. That's, yeah, that's um, as well as top 10 in many European countries. So Finland, oh, yeah. number seven, Germany, number six, Norway, number six, and Switzerland, number three. While in Australia, it reached number four. That's so the album is doing quite well as well. Yeah. But I'm I'm shocked that I owe you nothing, did nothing, really. Uh, yeah, I recognise it, like I know it. 
But I wonder whether that just started doing better off the back of everything else. Because mm. it would have been on the album, maybe. So um, the third single from the album, Drop the Boy, again reached number one in Ireland. Right. As well as being in the top ten in Australia, where it got to number nine. Denmark, where it got to number seven. Finland, where it got to number seven. West Germany, where it got to number nine. New Zealand, where it got to number eight. Obviously, on the back of their good album sales there, because obviously it got to number one. Um, and again, like um, When Will I Be Famous, it got to number two in Norway. Um, and then in Switzerland, it got to number five. Hey, so they're not doing too bad in that sense, are they? No. A bit bigger than I thought they were then. So the album Push went on to be the fourth best-selling album of 1988 in the UK, beating both Now Eleven and Tracy Chapman's self-titled album, which had both kept it off number one at the time. So Now Eleven was at number one for two weeks, and then yeah. Tracy Chapman went to number one, which meant Ross stayed at number two. Wait, right. Okay. okay. The album was certified quadruple platinum in the UK, while it was double platinum in Australia and platinum in New Zealand and gold in France, Germany, Spain and Switzerland. So with that album, they've not done bad at all, have they? No. And you've had two top 10 singles from it. Or if you're yeah. in Ireland, you've had two number ones. Number ones, yeah. So following the success of When Will I Be Famous and Drop the Boy, plus the album Push, they remixed I Owe You Nothing and re-released it as a single in June 1988. Okay. Where it peaked at number two in Ireland. Not bad. And reached the top ten in nine other countries across the world. Number six in Australia, number four in Belgium, number four in Denmark, number seven in France, number two in Iceland, number four in the Netherlands, number five in New Zealand, um, and then number 10 in South Africa, and number nine in Switzerland. By remix, do you mean like the remix they have now where it completely like it's like a DJ coming in and doing their own twist on it? Like yeah, someone would have someone would have mixed mixed it a bit, made it a bit better. I don't like remixes. Um, it also got to re-releasing it. It also got to number ten. Well, you don't know what the original sounded like. Oh, what? So what I've listened to now—that's the remix version. Like what I more than likely, to. yes. Okay. Okay. Um, it also got to number 10 in the US Dance Club Songs chart. So very much like when When I Be Famous did. Mm -hmm. So, Boss Mania had been created by Nicky Graham, Tom Watkins and the band. And the teenage girls who followed them were known as to the press as Brossettes. Okay. So, in September 1988... The police had to close off parts of Oxford Street when an overwhelming number of fans had turned up for a record signing event by the band at the flagship London store of HMV. Bross had to, sorry, Bross had an, had, uh, I'll start again. Bross had over 6 million fans worldwide uh, mm. join their fan club. 
and with such high demand for their merchandise a phone line um, was set up for fans to hear the band's voices with 70,000 fans using it within the first month so there's a lot of business around the band with regards merchandise and other things obviously they were doing um so they really were a money machine for graham and watkins because mm. when they're getting the royalties from the songs yeah. they're getting a cut from the, from the contract for managing them um whether they're getting all the you know how much are they getting from merchandise and you know all that it's mm. you know just a, a make cash making machine it's what are I their count they were that big so, don't think that they were that big well they were massive in the nine, in the 80s and 90s yeah they were probably the they were probably the band the biggest band boy band before take that really i would say i can't think of anyone in between really okay um on saying that bob herbert who missed out obviously on all this he mm. was the first manager of spice girls as well oh so he had his no because he, he missed out on them as well oh oh he was the first manager of them yeah. he didn't see their success i yeah. bet he's kicking himself if he's still alive I bet he he, unfortunately he did he has died but before he died he was he was the manager of five i mean they didn't do that great did they he had a little bit of success, but nothing like he would have with Ross and the spy. Definitely not the spy no. scales. So yeah. But can we just rewind? Did you say they had a phone line that people could ring just to hear basically a recorded message? I guess it was a recorded. Yeah, I don't think they could have phoned them because they wouldn't have been available twenty four seven. Exactly. So it would have been a recorded message. Um, probably being charged at god knows how much you know it's like in the football terms back then of club call there was a a a football line that you could phone um mum can tell you your grandma can tell you about it because i probably rang up an awful bad bill (laughs) you could you could listen to the top teams players and news and what have you and i'm guessing this was a similar thing to to that to club call you know what? The only thing that I can think of that people have nowadays is you can pay a hell of a lot of money, depending on what celebrity. But you can pay. You can go on this the recorded website. messages or something. Yeah, yeah. birthday messages. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they cost right. probably way, 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 way more. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's the only like we don't have anything like that now. But that is pretty no. But bad. now that you've got the internet, so you can find the news yeah. and that quite easily. Mm. And you can watch videos and hear people's voice yeah. and go to concerts more. They're more available. But yeah, that's, I didn't know that was a thing to call yeah. up just to hear a recorded message. Yeah. Wow. So Logan left the band in early 1989 due to several bouts of illness, including ME and the fact he could no longer walk um, and was being assisted on and off stage. So Logan was admitted to hospital for six weeks mm-hmm. and once released from hospital, he spent six months of rehabilitation to learn to walk again. So um, Logan decided that the pressures of stardom was no longer for him and let Matt and Luke know. 
He appeared with them at the 1988 Smash Hits Poll Winners Party, and this would be his final appearance with the band. Um, However, he did take legal action against the management of Boss for unpaid royalties. Now, whether that's um, around merchandise or you know the songs i don't know but i'm not sure what he would have got out i mean i couldn't see anything on it because they're not writing the songs they're not writing the music so nikki graham was the lyric that done the lyrics and um not the music and tom watkins done the lyrics as in the the actual writing of the songs so i'm not sure what he'd have got so whether it was the cut of the merchandise and things like that like the phone line I'm not sure, and I don't know whether he won. It was settled before it went to court. I don't know. I couldn't find anything of it, because obviously that was before the internet. Yeah. Um, so Logan went on to be a songwriter himself uh, for Kim Appleby. Um, in, 19, in 1994, at the age of 25, he joined EMI Music as Vice President of International, uh, where he worked with Wobby Williams, Tina Turner um, and Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. So yeah, so he was with them for three for what what, six years? No, you said that they formed in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, he left in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, I mean he's with EMI for five for five years. Right. Um, So he left them in 1999 um, to work with someone called Roger Davis um, to oversee worldwide tours and releases for acts like Tina Turner, Sade and M people um, before they met Pink. Oh, Pink Pink. Yep. Whom he signed and co-managed with Davis for several years so he's still involved in the music business like he didn't yeah. you know well he was yeah illness. i mean that's like, back in back, like, really. between 1999 and 2006 yeah, his illness got him quite early on in his career he didn't let it hold him back no he, he found some other way to make you know himself useful in that industry So in 2006, Logan joined Sony Music as the managing director of label RCA, where he worked with acts such as Beyonce, Justin Timberlake, Pink, Sade, Alicia Keys and The Script. Now, I wonder whether we got that gig on the back of the whether um, Pink then signed for RCA as part of the deal that he would get a job there. I don't, I don't know. I'm just looking, reading through the lines. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So but Logan of well, hold on. We come to that. We're just going on the side side track of known of Craig Logan, who actually dated Danny Minogue at one stage as well. Wow, he's really doing bits, isn't he? Oh, he's yeah. getting he could name drop at a dinner party, yeah. isn't he? So Logan eventually set up his own management company, LME, Logan Media Entertainment, um, after leaving Sony in 2010. And he currently manages Anastasia, Dido, Alfie Bow, Roachford and Beverly Knight, as well as having his own record label, High Tea, 
spelt high h i as in high and yeah. then t as in t e a yeah 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 now going back to bros they continued as a duo with the brothers going on a worldwide tour called global push obviously after their album push mm -hmm. uh their second album the time was released in october 1989 and that reached number four in the uk um, and several tracks were released from the album, so Too Much, Chocolate Box, Madly in Love and Sister, with only Too Much reaching number one in Ireland. Okay. They did well in Ireland, didn't they? Yeah, they were loved in Ireland. Uh, they then did a one-off concert at Wembley Stadium, Bross Into Summer, um, with Salt and Pepper and Debbie Gibson as the opening supports acts, um, the concert was attended by seventy-seven thousand fans. So even now, they were still pulling in those fans, and to think seventy of those had rung that phone line. Seventy thousand, yeah. that is. Yeah. I was going to say, hang on, seventy is not that much for that phone line. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1991, Bross released their third album, Changing Faces, which peaked at number 18, with two singles released, Are You Mine and Try. The band then split up in 1992 after achieving 11 top 40 singles in the UK and three top 20 albums. Worldwide, the group is estimated to have sold 16 million records. Although the band is ne has never had commercial success in the US, um, they are relative where they are relatively unknown. So they had that one eighty number mm. eighty three with when will I be famous, but other than that, not really that's... nothing else. Okay. Um, on the fifth of October, twenty sixteen. It was announced that a 30th anniversary Ross concert at the O2 Arena would take place, yeah. and on uh, uh, would take place on August the 19th, 2017. So it was announced in on October 2016 for it to yeah. happen in August 2018, uh, 17. Um, and it would feature Matt and Luke as Craig Logan wished them well but confirmed he was not interested in taking part in the reunion. The concert took place 28 years to the day since the band's original farewell concert at Wembley right. Stadium. That's quite a good plan, isn't it? So, yes. So, they had eight top ten singles, mm -hmm. two top 10 albums which were 1988's push number two and 1989's the time which got to number four and before you go on to their chart placings yes. there's one thing that you haven't mentioned okay interested matt goss ah yes quickly isn't he he is indeed as i said to you a bit of a coincidence it was announced this week that Matt Goss is going to be in this year's Strictly. Yeah. So he's so suddenly Goss. appeared out of nowhere because yeah. he was living in America and he's now moved back over. I wonder what that means. You know, like, because usually people that do Strictly and dance. Yeah, on I think it would maybe like, more solo than anything else. 
if he's going to do anything. If he's going to come back, it'd be solo. I think it'd be more solo than, than yeah. Very intrigued. Yes. So, are you ready to uh, find out their chart positions as you've got a number one rolling on this? I do. Okay, so 1987, I Owe You Nothing was released. And it got to number 80, as we've already said. Mm -hmm. Well, I recognise this. 1987, When Will I Be Famous? Mm -hmm. Got into the top 20. Yeah. In fact, it got into the top 10. Yeah. In fact, it got into the top five. Yeah. Got into the top four. Keep going. Okay, got into the top three. And again. Okay, got into the top two. And then it got to... When Will I Be Famous peaked at number two. Oh. I thought, did you say whether I have any number ones this week? I said you got one. Oh, yeah, you did. Okay. I don't so, know what it could be then. But I recognise When Will I Be Famous as well. It's got a really catchy chorus. It's really upbeat. Yeah. Yeah, I'm shocked by um, they're not doing as well. But. 1988, Drop the Boy was released. I got into the top 10. Mm -hmm. I got into the top five. Mm -hmm. Got into the top four. Mm -hmm. Got into the top three. Okay. Got into the top two. Okay. Ross. 1988's Drop the Boy peaked at number two. Okay, I'm glad that was a number two because that one's not as good as the first two. Is He changes his voice up a bit and it's quite a repetitive song. I like so it. it. It's, drop I'm the not boy, it's drop the boy. Ooh, ooh, That's kind of all it is. Yeah, true. Okay. So then they had the re-release of I Owe You Nothing. If this is number one, that's not fair. It got in the top ten. Yeah. Got in the top five. Okay. Got in the top four. Right. Top three. Uh-huh. Top two. It's going to be number two. Ross, oh, that'd be cruel, wouldn't it? Three number twos. It would be cruel, but... Ross, with a re-release that got to number 80 originally. I Owe You Nothing was number one. Oh. I see parallels of Boss and Aha. Both boy bands, both with a trio. Yeah. And they're probably the song that they're most famous for only got to number two. I would say most people would say When Will I Be Famous was Boss's biggest song. I would. And likewise with Take On Me and Aha. Mm-hmm. But actually it was their other song, The Sun Always Shines on TV and I Owe You Nothing. That did that. But were their number ones. But with Bross, I Owe You Nothing did better because, well, we don't know whether it's because their other two songs got to number well, two. Well, maybe, yeah. Or was it the remix? But, 
you know, if they remixed it. But people it. say that about Aha and Take On Me, would it have done as well if it didn't have the video? People still have to listen to the music. Yeah, we said that when we did Aha. And, you know, so that's how I look at it. The music has, has obviously, and I do like I Owe You Nothing. I really I do. I do like it. I was glad that was the first song of my week. It so, was a good start to the week. So, yeah. Okay. So we will briefly move on to mm -hmm. 1988, I Quit. Yeah. Got to number four. Okay, that one was more chilled out. They played around with different sounds in that one. Uh-huh. So I thought synth pop was there. Yeah. 1988 also, Cat Amongst the Pigeons and Silent Night. Can you remember from our... Um... Christmas episode where Silent Night came. I can't. I just soon as you said Silent Night, and I thought about it. I can't remember. Well, it was in the top ten, wasn't it? It was. It got to number two. Ah, oh, they're a two group. The I didn't like Cat amongst the pigeons. It's probably my no. least favorite song. No, oh, right, yeah. There's a cat amongst the pigeons. No. Don't get it. I don't. It's no. just no. Yeah. Okay. Not for me at all. So 1989, we're now going into now. I don't know if Craig Logan's left by this time. So obviously, this is now the second album. Um, so too much. Yeah. Got to number two. They are a two group, aren't they? They are. Well, this just was... out. Mm, but this was my favourite song of theirs. Got stuck in my head a bit. I really like this one. Well, uh -huh. I like the two that I recognised, um, yeah. but yeah, th this one was my favourite. Uh, 1989 also, Chocolate Box, that got to number nine. Okay, don't know what he's singing, but I like the beat. Okay. Uh, 1989 still, Sister, that got to number ten. Still in the top ten. Yeah, this one, like, it sounds like a love song, right? But then you listen to the lyrics, it really is about a sister. So I don't really, it's like about the sister's love life. But, All right. it, you know, it's a nice chilled out song. I just feel like you've got to be in a certain certain mood to listen to it. You want uh -huh. to put it on while you're listening to music. You'd have to be in a certain mood. Yeah. Mm. Okay. 1990, Madly in Love. Got to number 14. Okay, this is another love song, but it's got a nice upbeat tempo to it, so it changes it up from your usual slow um, love songs, in a sense. Uh-huh. And then... Um, what have we got to... Are You Mine? Are You Mine? That was released in 1991. Okay. And that got to number 12. Oh, not bad. That one slowed right down, but the chorus is really good in it. So the chorus is the bit that saves it. Uh-huh. And then lastly, 1991 also, try number 27. Ooh, see, I like this one because they've gone back to their like upbeat and catchy early sounds they had. Okay. So, yeah, I'm quite surprised that didn't do as well. Yeah. Okay, well, that was Bross. Mm. So we shall now move on to 
Climby Fisher. Yes. So by the name, you'd think it was a soloist. It just sounds like someone's name. So I'm intrigued by the name and whether it's the name of someone actually in the band. Um, the vocalist has a really nice soothing voice, I find. I quite like it. And also, I think it might be another duo, but like a man and a woman. Not sure the videos are quite heartfelt like they're sat on the floor so hold on hold on you've watched the videos but you don't know whether it's a man or woman no um i think it's a man and a woman right but i'm just saying you've watched the videos yeah i have watched the videos but see they've got a buzz cut the woman that i think is a woman so And then, uh, all right, that sounds really horrible. I think it's a man and a woman, okay? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the videos are very heartfelt. Like, the, I think the man's the, like, lead vocalist, so he might be Climby Fisher, whatever the name is. He sits on the floor and really feels the music. Like, you can tell that he's quite passionate about it. Um, they're quite casual in their clothing, you know, vests and jeans. Sometimes they've got quite a lot of denim going on. And I put their genre as just pop. Okay. So, Climby Fisher were Simon Climby on vocals and Rob Fisher on keyboards. Not a woman. Not a woman. And so the name came from their two surnames being put That's together. That's very clever. I like that. Yeah. I like that. So they were formed in 1986 in London. Okay, we're doing well with the British bands this week. And they are a pop group or duo. Right, okay. So Simon and Rob actually met at Abbey Studios, famous for the Beatles. Yeah. Where they were both performing as session musicians. Oh, so they can both play instruments as well. Yes. So they met, got together, and yeah, that was the story's quite short lived, really. So, oh. so it's mainly around of what I've got to tell you is mainly around their hit song. Their so their hit "Love Changes Everything," mm-hmm. which the duo co-wrote with Dennis Morgan, um, who was a friend of Climby Fisher. I'm sorry, Simon Climby from before. Right. And they'd written together before, anyway. It actually received the 1988 Ivor Novello Award for Best Song Musically and Lyrically. And the song did reach number one in Portugal. Random place. Yeah. It also made the top 10 in six other countries and reached number 23 on the US Billboard Hot 100. So they got higher than Boss. Yeah, they did. Um, the song was originally written for Rod Stewart, but he turned it down. So the band duo, uh, they released it. However, poor sales and airplay saw it only reach number 67 in the UK, uh, while also hitting number 30 in the Netherlands. Everywhere, Everywhere else, it didn't really do anything. I got given it. Okay. They didn't do that well. However, after the success of Rise to the Occasion, where that reached number one 
in both the Netherlands and South Africa, it sort of, they meant that what happened was a hip hop mix released and do well. So the duo decided to re-release Love Changes Everything with a slight remix. And it was this version that then became a hit and got obviously number one in Portugal. Right. So originally it, it blocked. It literally only made the top 30 in one country, the Netherlands, while over here it got to number 67. They then released um Rise to the Occasion. Rise to the Occasion. That got to number one in several countries. Mm-hmm. And saw a hip hop mix released and do well. And then they re-released Love Changes Everything after okay. doing a few alterations to it. Okay. Their last hit single, Love Like a River, made number 18 in Australia, sorry, in Austria, and the duo split up in 1990, with Fisher later co-writing for Rick Astley and his hit Cry for Help, as well as contributing to Astley's albums Free in 1991 and Body and Soul in 1993. Rob Fisher sadly died on the 25th of August 1999 during surgery for bowel cancer. Simon Climey had, before Climey Fisher, co-wrote with Dennis Morgan, who was also the other co-writer of Love Changes Everything, um, for George Michael and Aretha Franklin's single I Knew You Were Waiting For Me in 1986. So if you look up the single... Or George Michael and Aretha Franklin, I knew you were waiting. You all should see Climey Fisher's name on the uh, writing credits. Sorry, Simon Climey. He then went on to work as a producer for artists such as Louise, as in um, Louise Nerding from who married Redknapp. Oh, Louise Redknapp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who was originally in I think Eternal or something like that. Um, MN8 and Five Star. So they had two top 10 singles, one top 20 album, which was 1988's Everything, which got to number 14. So, as I said, there wasn't much to say about them, and it was they're not obviously a group that are going to um, be back around because, unfortunately, as I say, one of them passed away through cancer. So, they're singles. Yes. So, Rise to the Occasion was released in 1987 and got to number 10 in the UK. Okay. I feel like it gives out, like, chilled out summer vibes. But the only downfall of it is it stays at the same tempo. Like, you're waiting for, like, a drop or... Yeah. Like, I don't know, you're waiting for something. That's a, that's the a downside of it. So Love Changes Everything, 1987, as I've already said, was released and didn't do anything originally. So they re-released it in 1988, mm-hmm. where it got to number two. Oh, okay. Another two band, are they? So you got another, a lot of number two singles this yeah, week. Yeah. Well, I recognise this one a little bit. It's nice and catchy, and I like the change in the beat of the chorus. Mm. 
um, This Is Me, which was another re-release. It was their actual first single released back in 1986, but didn't do anything. Uh, they reissued it in 1988, and it got to number 22. Okay, not bad. Well, I really like the message behind this song. Um, it's just a feel good. It just makes you want to shout it and sing it from the rooftops to be like, this is me. Like, it, mm-hmm. it really, I think it touches everyone. Like, it can't be an unliked song. But I'm surprised at that chart placing. Uh, okay. I Won't Bleed For You, also 1988, got to number 35. Okay. Well, this is upbeat and feel good as well. They're not doing that great with their chart toppings, are they? No. Love Like a River was 1988 and got to number 22. Okay. Well, that was my favourite. The chorus is really catchy. It's nice and upbeat. Makes you feel good. I feel like that. I've said that. I know about a lot of their songs. Feel yeah. good. So I'm quite surprised with their chart places. But we move. We move on. What was then? Then Jericho. Yeah. So, what were your thoughts on those? Well, obviously, I hadn't heard of these. Listening to their music, they've got more of an edginess to their songs than the previous ones. Um, but it's, but then also they've stripped back from like all the sounds. They kind of keep it simple and make it about the vocals and the music, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I've gone for pop rock in the genre. And with their videos, you know, they all look quite similar with long hair, same styles. They're older musicians. Um, the vocalist plays an instrument as well, I think, um, which you don't see often. Pretty sure I saw him pick up a guitar. Um, I think they're a four or five piece I counted. Um, and to be honest, with their videos, they're just like a black and white video with live performances. It weren't much to go off, really. Okay. On them, but yeah. So then Jericho were Mark Shaw on vocals, Jasper Stainthorpe on bass, Steve Wen, as in the bird Wen, on drums. Yeah. Scott Taylor on guitar, Alex Mungo on keyboards, and Rob Downs also on guitar. Okay. They were formed in 1983 in London. Another British. It is. And they are classed as a pop rock new wave band. Hey, I'm doing good with these genres today. You I are. think it's just because it's pop, really. <laughs> it's not really hard, is it? <laughs> so the band actually played at L- the Limelight Club in New York in 1983 where they got signed up by London Records. So they're already gigging and doing well, really. Mm. Um, But yeah, got signed up in 1984. Um, They had small success with two albums that were released. The first called First, The Sound of Music in 1987, uh, which was co-produced by Owen Davis and Mark Shaw. And reached number 35 in the UK album chart. 
Their okay. second album, The Big Area, in 1989, was now produced by Rod, sorry, Rick Nowles and reached number four in the UK and went gold. So, um, Rob Nowles um, being involved. So, I, I'll be honest, I don't really know much about Rob Nowles. And that's oh, yes. N O W E L S, like vowels, but with an N. Um, but um, he obviously. Um, changed the success of them to get their album suddenly at number four he also had was involved in um quite a few of their singles from that album and um it was him that um got belinda carlisle to appear um on side vocals to the single what does it take yes she does doesn't she so um obviously he was quite a big influential um person for then jericho and obviously other artists at the time Mm. um so the lead single from the album, um, the title track, Big Area, um, mm -hmm. also became the band's biggest single. Oh, really? So, yes. So the band split in 1990 uh, with Mark Shaw leaving to pursue a solo career where he recorded an album almost for EMI in 1991, which was produced by Duran Duran guitarist Andy Taylor. Okay. I feel like the group seems to be can't last it as long. I don't no. know if that's just because it's towards the end of the 80s they can't. Well, I suppose, one, they've come into the music as far as 80s go late, because we're now in the yeah. end of the 80s, yeah. and the music's going to change quite dramatic. Well, not dramatically, but it does change but quite a bit to... House music and yeah, like you know the the the, the Manchester music scene and things mm. like that. So it does change. Um, so yeah. So in 1998, Shaw reactivated then Jericho. Okay. Or the name, should I say? Right. Oh. Um, with a new album, Orgasmophobia. Um. Okay. which was a self-financed album co-produced with Andy Taylor with collaborations from Taylor and Simple Minds keyboardist Mick McNeil. So he brought back the name. Yeah, but it was more for his solo career because it wasn't obviously yeah. doing as well rather than it being the actual band. It was just because he'd done, he was the main writer. So it wouldn't, you know, it, it was still then Jericho in that mm. that respect. And I suppose yeah. that's where going back to Bros, for me, they lost a few points with me because they didn't actually write their songs. Mm. So when you listen to a Bros song, you're listening to a man their management songs. But I wonder because Logan went off and he became a songwriter. So I wonder yeah. whether if they had the chance. Well, yeah, we'll never yeah. know. Yeah, more than likely. So it might not have been their choosing. They might have been forced, like, we're going to manage you, but on the yeah. terms that we write your music. So going back to then Jericho, in 2012, Shaw reformed the group with the original members for a tour. Repri so it's called the Reprise Tour. Um and it was launched in 2013, taking in Henley's Rewind Festival and Bristol's Let's Rock Festival. 
and coincided with the release of a compilation album called Reprise. Hence, the tour was called Reprise. Yeah. Yeah. So then in February 2014, the original lineup called it a day again. Um, however, lead singer Mark Shaw continued as he'd always vowed he would he uh, he would with a new lineup to fulfill Let's Rock Festival dates in May, June and July. And then in 2015, Shaw and then Jericho performed at Let's Rock London on the Clapham Common, July the 16th, 2016. Okay. They were kind of back and forth. with. Yeah. But it was more him. I mean, then yeah. Jericho pretty much carried on. Yeah. But it's been because of Mark Shaw more than any yeah. anyone else. Yeah. Um, so sadly, on the 27th of April, 2020, the original guitarist, Scott Taylor, died from a brain tumour at the age of 58. Oh. Oh, yeah. So then Jericho had two top 20 singles, one top 10 album, which is 1989's Big Area at number four. Okay. Do you know what? I feel like the groups this week are doing really well with them albums. Yeah. So... Their singles that you had. So the motive was released in 1987 and got to number 18. Okay, this is a beat one. The only problem is the background music drowns out the vocals a bit. Uh huh. Not a fan then, or? I like the upbeat. Yeah. It's just a shame that sure. the music is a bit more overpowering. Okay. Uh, also 1987, Muscle Deep. Um, I gave you it, but it's actually only number 48. Okay, it's fast-paced, really catchy. Um, and there was a little guitar solo in it. Uh. And we know I don't like guitar solos, which gave me the hint that they were a pop rock band. Uh -huh. um, but the thing that changed it about this guitar solo is there was a variety of sounds to make it a bit more bearable. So... Yes, it was a guitar solo, but it weren't a long one. And there were other instruments that kind of came in straight after and made it sound like it was just part of a beat than a solo, if that makes sense. So it made it a bit more bearable. Okay. So then we move on to 1989, so two years later, because this is from a sec their second album now. Uh, yeah. Big Area got to number 13. Oh, well, that was my favourite. Uh -huh. It's... I don't know, it's just a good one. It's just about the music and the lyrics. It's a head bopper. And do you know what? I listened to it and straight away I was like, yeah, you, you're a good one. So I'm quite shocked that it's not in the top 10. I would put it in no. the top 10. So, 1989, What Does It Take? Featuring Belinda Carlisle, who was a big star back then now. And it got to number 33. Hey, I don't think it was bad. It was simple. Um, got a bit of repetitiveness in it, but not too much. Um, and it just had a rock sound to it. And then finally, 1989, Sugarbox. It's actually my favourite. Got to number 22. This is their love song coming in for me. It's very soothing. Um, I think I said that. No, I didn't. I was going to say he's got quite a nice voice as well. 
and it really comes out in that one. Right. Well, not giving much away here. I can't really get the vibes from you this week as to whether they're <laughs> going to be a hit or a miss. Wow. Um, so we shall move on to Voice of the Beehive. So their genre, I don't think these are as pop. I think they've got a bit of punk grunge in there. Don't know whether that was a thing back then. Again, I think they're another duo. I think they might have some session music, musicians, unless I just didn't see much of the acting like musicians in the videos. They do talk singing, uh, like not proper singing, if you know what I mean. I don't really, I'm not about that. Um, they have a different sound to the rest of the week's bands. Um, and the songs sound similar to one another, as in like the beats of them and stuff. They each have their own twist or feel. So I quite like that. Um, like it's like they found, as a group, they found their sound and they rolled with it. Um, they've got quite a unique style. They've got these long, puffy dresses. Um, and they like a lot of colour. Um, and I think they play their own instruments as well which might be why they're only a duo. And they look, so there's two girls, or women, I should say. They look very similar, bar their hair colour. So I'm wondering if they're sisters. Don't know, but yeah. Let's find out. So Voices of the Beehive, or sorry, Voice of the Beehive, is Tracy Brin, vocals and guitar. Melissa okay. Brooke Belland, oh, vocals. Nonsense. Mark Bedford, bass. Oh, so there are Mart people. Martin Brett, who also went under the name of Brett Martini on bass. Mike Jones on guitar. And Daniel Woody Woodgate on drums. Okay, they so were formed a lot more people than I thought. So yeah, so they were formed in 1986, London. Oh, another British are doing well. Yeah. And they're an alternative pop rock band. I forget about alternative. Yes, yes. I should have said that would have made more sense what I was going so, with. Yeah. So the group featured sisters Tracy and Melissa from California. So they're sisters. They're sisters. Yeah, Don't ask me why they've got different surnames, but they're sisters. Well, yeah, but back then, unless they've just put their names in now, I don't know. But yeah. Mm. So they teamed up with British musicians Bedford, Brett, Jones, and Woodgate. Um, now Bedford and Woodgate were members of Madness. Ooh, okay. So, yes. So they know a thing or two already. So, uh, Bedford actually left after making contribution to the band's formation, but didn't really have much else to do with them. However, Woodgate did stay with the band for most of its main period of activity. Okay. So the name was taken from the Greek meaning of Melissa, which means honeybee. Right. Um, so Melissa in Greek is honeybee, and so they done it as voice of the beehive. 
That's how they got to That's the not name. really fair on everyone else, is it? Oh. She was the vocalist, so she was the voice. True. But you wouldn't know it was her to do with her, um, would you, unless you, would, you knew. No, no, yeah, unless you looked into it. I do hate when it revolves around one person. Yeah. Um, and they were signed to London Records, much the same as then Jericho were. Yeah. So their biggest commercial success came with the singles I Say Nothing, Don't Call Me Baby, Monsters and Angels, and the cover of the Partridge Family single, written by Tony Romeo, I Think I Love You, which was also, I understand, released by um, David Cassidy. So these singles were taken from the albums Let It Be, 1988, um, which um, had I Say Nothing and Don't Call Me Baby, and Honey Lingers in 1991, which had the singles Monsters and Angels and I Think I Love You. Really now, by the time of the third album, mm -hmm. Sex and Misery, which was released in 1996, the group consisted of just Tracy and Melissa. So oh. now the others have gone, which is probably why the third album didn't do as well as um, the first two. So the band did reform in 2003 to play a UK two-week tour. Tracy is now a teacher in Laguna Beach, California, and Melissa runs her own company, Made in Heaven, also in Laguna Beach, California. Um, while in October 2017, with all the original lineup, uh, they did play a pair of concert dates in London. Okay. But other than that, that's that's. They don't um, do much. That is it, because obviously I suppose it's a bit hard. The others have obviously all left. The other two obviously, mm. well, no, I say no. the other two. One wasn't really part of them, but certainly the um, drummer Daniel Woody Woodgate is obviously with Madness. So um, I suppose mm. it's a bit hard to, uh, to continue mm. in that form. And as I, I say, the other the, the, the two main people who continued it, the sisters, live in that live in that California, and I don't think that the band was that big in america and I, I was gonna ask that with having there's america. nothing about yeah there's nothing about no they never obviously oh, okay. um did it over there at all as far as um charting or anything in fact i'm just looking their big their best one was monsters and angel at number 74 in the oh. u.s hot 100 that yeah, was it they didn't do much at all did and they no. so they had two top 20 singles two top 20 albums let it be in 1988 got to number 13 and honey lingers got to number 17 in 1991 just for the record the sex and misery which was just the two sisters um right, it didn't even it didn't even chart okay i'm with you these aren't as good as the others with their albums then no so they're singles so 1987, I Say Nothing, got to number 45. Ooh, so just out. Well, yeah. it had a joyful intro. The singing doesn't match up to that joyfulness, though. Um, and this is where, like, straight in, I was on um, they're more talking than singing. 1988, I Walk the Earth, got to number 42. Oh, okay. 
this one was like had a nice catchy chorus in it and it got more upbeat as it went on they're not hitting that well are they no 1988 still don't call me baby got to number 15 okay that's better this had more of a pop feel to it um but it was quite slow that brought it down a bit for me so on the back of the success of don't call me baby they re-released in 1988 i say nothing so originally it got to number 45 this time it got to number 22 they then, just so you know, they then also re-released in 1988, I Walk the Earth. However, yeah. it didn't do as well as it did the first time. So it only got to number 42 originally, and it only got to number 46 with the re-release. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. So they're okay. not doing that great. Right. Yeah. So now we come to 1991. Yeah. Monsters and Angels. It got to number 17 over here, and it also, as I said, it hit the US Hot 100. Well, this was my favourite. This was catchy, and I liked the lyrics. And they feel like a girl empowerment in, that, in the lyrics. It was um, a good one. Right. After their failure with the others, I really like this yeah. one. <laughs> okay. And then 1991 again, I Think I Love You, which was a cover. Uh, mm -hmm. That got to number 25. Okay, this was more rock sounding. It had a good chorus though. And when you listen through headphones, it had a weird sound like you could hear the electric guitar. Did they have an electric guitar? You could hear something like buzzing. Well, they had a yeah, bass player, but um, in uh, mm. Brett Martini or Martin Brett as he's um, otherwise known. Yeah, but yeah, so that weren't a, that weren't a great one. But now okay. I know that it's a cover. Yeah. It's not as bad, is it? And then 1991, Perfect Place, got to number 37. Okay. This was their most sung song, as in they weren't doing their talking singing. They actually uh -huh. were singing, singing. Um, the only thing that brought it down was it's quite quiet and slow. Oh, really? Mm. Okay. Moving on then to mental as anything. What did you think of these? So again, these have a different sound to the others of the week. Um, I don't think these were as much pop as the others that I've had. They were more rock and folk, I want to say. And it sounds like they use like a different in like different instruments. Like maybe an organ was in there somewhere. I think I heard. Um, they just look like average men, to be honest, trying to make something of themselves. They like a suit. Um, there's a, I don't know if he was a drummer or played a guitar, but he had these like really round glasses. He looked like a scientist. Um, and one video that stuck out to me was Spirit Got Lost. It was a bit weird and there was a lot of skulls and it was like people would be standing then they'd change into skulls well change into a full skeleton it was a bit odd but it, it was a memorable video like that will stick out to me but yeah, yeah. I, I mean i didn't have i mean i had quite a few songs but there weren't much to go on that with these okay so um where do you think they were from oh so you're asking oh, you're saying england aren't you 
You yeah, said they were all English this week. Yeah. Just remembered that. Well, you yeah. were wrong on this one. So where do you think? Oh. Now you know they're not English. Where do you think they're from? Hmm, maybe America. Okay. So, mental as anything. Martin Plaza, vocals and guitar. Rain Delal, drums. Reg Mombasa, guitar. Greedy Smith, vocals and keyboards. And then Pete O'Doherty, or Peter O'Doherty, on bass. They're actually formed in 1976 in oh. Sydney, North South Wales, Australia. Okay. And they are a pop new wave band. I don't get any pop in these. So you need to stick with me on the names of these guys because you're going to get a bit lost. Yeah. So the group were formed at the art school in Sydney by Martin Murphy, also known as Martin Plaza, right. and fellow student Chris O'Doherty, also known as Reg Mombasa. So Plaza then brought in Steve Coburn on bass and David Tuhill, also known as Rain Delisle. On drums. They get their name prior to a gig. So they went to the promoter and gave him a list of names to choose from. And um, he chose Mental as Anything, which was how a fellow artist, Ken Bolton, had described them after one of their earlier performances. Hey. So that's how they got their name. Mental as anything, because that's what they were, evidently. They're a bit weird. Yeah, well, gets weirder with them. So in late 1976, fellow student Andrew Smith, a.k.a. Greedy Smith, made a guest appearance with the band on a harmonica while still a member of another band. Ooh, and by the end of the year, he had joined as their keyboard player. Okay. Well, sorry, after Coburn left the fledgling band in 1977, Mombasa's brother, Pete O'Doherty, right. joined on bass guitar. Bearing in mind that Reg Mombasa was originally called Chris O'Doherty. Remember that? Yeah. So, so his brother... Joined a band whose name was Peter Dirty. Yeah. So the band was spotted by filmmakers Cameron Allen and Martin Fabini, Fabini, who had founded an independent record label, Regular Records. <clears throat> and Fabini's brother, Jeremy, became the band's manager. So their debut release was a three-track EP, Mental as Anything, plays at your party it featured original tracks and is their only release on which plaza and mombasa were credited under their original names martin murphy and chris o'doherty all the rest is under their 
Poseidonum names or whatever you want to call them. So Sydney radio station Double J, which is actually these days called Triple J, gave airplay to its most popular track, The Nips Are Getting Bigger, um, which was a drinking song written by drinking. Murphy, now Plaza. Um, so soon after the EP's release, Festival Records took over regular records and released a remix of the Nips Are Getting Bigger as a single. And in July, in July 1979, and this was followed in November by the band's debut album, Get Wet, which Cameron Allen produced. The single, The Nips Are Getting Bigger, eventually uh, became the group's first Australian top 20 hit and even made number one on the UK alternative charts or as they're now known the indie charts the independent yeah. charts yeah um while the album also achieved a top 20 chart in australia so it was at the time of the lps or the album's release that all of the members bar pete had adopted for poseidonyms so different names because i can't say that that well different names <laughs> so, stage names yeah, Chris O'Doherty became known as Reg Mombasa. Martin Murphy became Martin Plaza after the pedestrian plaza in Sydney known as Martin's Place. Mm -hmm. While Andrew Smith's appetite saw him dubbed Greedy Smith. And David Tuhill became Wayne Bird Delisle. Why? Um, so between 1980 and 1984, they had national success in Australia with Plaza's If You Leave Me, Can I Come Too in 1981, reaching number four. Smith's yeah. Too Many Times got to number six, which also brought them international exposure. Uh, Why are you saying it's their individual songs? Did they write it? Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they yeah, were the writers, okay. yes. Right, okay. So um, too many times, which only got to number six in Australia, uh, compared to um, If You Leave Me, Can I Come Too, which got to number four, it was too many times it was seen as their international breakthrough as it got exposure when becoming a top 40 hit in Canada. So it was their first top 40 hit outside of Australia. Uh -huh. um, their next single, Berserk Warriors, was a article tribute to ABBA. However, it only made number 30 in Australia. And all their, all of, so pretty much all of, well, no, well, not pretty much, all of their 1981 singles were on their Cats and Dogs album, which made number three in Australia. So by 1985, Greedy Smith had gained prominence as the band's main songwriter. And he also became the lead singer on I'll several songs. So Smith wrote and sang the band's next two singles, both from their Fundamental album, which was released in September 85 and peaked at number three. It also reached number 11. Uh, sorry, peaked at number three. And the single You're So Strong was released in March 85 
and reached number 11 in Australia, but it also charted in the top 30 of the US Billboard Hot Dance Club Song chart, which was a chart that we um, come across quite a bit earlier with um, Primey Fisher, I think it was, or then Jericho, or Bross. Bross Wait, might have been the actually. dance chart? Yeah. That was Bross. Right. So, yes. So, we come across that earlier. Um, this single was followed by the band's biggest hit, Live It Up, which was released in May 85 and made number, wait for it, two in Australia. Oh, what a surprise. Behind Madonna's Angel Stroke Into the Groove, so a double A. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was re- included in Australia's successful 1986 film, Crocodile Dundee Soundtrack. Okay. The band performed three songs in the 1985 Oz for Africa concert as part of the global Live Aid concerts, uh, where they played Live It Up, If You Leave Me, Can I Come To, and You're So Strong. So they're three biggest hits, really. Um in 1990, the band um, took a sabbatical for various side projects, which saw Plaza release a solo single with a cover of Concrete and Clay, originally by 1960s UK pop group Unit 4 Plus 2. Um, and that made number two in Australia and saw a subsequent album, Plaza Suite, recorded. While the brothers, Mombasa and O'Dirty, um, they um, formed the duo Reg and Pete, um, sometimes also going by the name Pete and Reg. Mm-hmm. Um, and they released the single Gene in March 1991 before adopting the band name Dog Trumpet and releasing the album Two Heads, One Brain. Smith performed with his band Greedy's On The Loose. Um, during 1992, although there was no recorded output, while Two Hill or Delisle returned to art college and finished his degree. In 1993, they were all back with a compilation album, Chemical Travel, which was released in November 93 and included rare album tracks and a couple of B sides. By mid-1994, the band had recorded an album's worth of self-produced songs, but having difficulties getting a release deal. They self-released an EP of songs called Bicycle and gave it away on their summer tour of 1994-95 in New South Wales um, and Queensland. Now, the radio station, Triple J, which was originally Double J, um, yeah. they received a copy and put the lead track, Mr. Natural, on heavy rotation with other stations soon following. With demand oh. growing, the single was soon released as a single and reached the top 30 in Australia. Mm-hmm. The resulting album, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire, um, that reached the top 40 with Mombasa's cover taking the best, as in the, the um, not cover song, but cover as in the album cover. Um, mm-hmm. That took Best Cover Art awarded at Aria Music Awards, so the Australian Record Industry Association. Bear in mind they were all from art school, then 
no surprise really you'd expect them to have a decent cover if they did it, did yeah, it themselves, they did it themselves yeah. um on august the 16th 1997 they celebrated 20 years together and in late 1997 the band put together their third group art exhibition mentals three which was opened by the former prime minister goff whittam in april 2000 brothers pete and reg left the band to pursue their own projects including the band dog trumpet and their own art careers andrew greedy smith sadly passed away of a heart attack on the 2nd of December 2019, aged 63. At the time of his death, he was the only original member still with the band. Um, and obviously, since his death, the band has not been active. Okay, I was going to ask, are they still going? That's, they did a lot of... There's so many names within that band. Yeah. Mental, really? Yeah. With all their names, their mentors, anything, I wouldn't say they're sound. (laughs) So they had one top ten single over here, and none of their albums were released in the UK. Oh, okay. So, 1979, The Nips Are Getting Bigger got to number 16 in Australia. Oh, oh, okay. Not released over here. Okay. Hence why you haven't heard of them before now, because even though they've been going for so long, there it wasn't until later really... in the 80s they they really done in, were noticed in the UK. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, the nips are getting bigger is a bit odd. It's catchy, but no idea what it's about. The name's just odd in itself. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 1980, Come Around, got to number 18 in Australia. Not released over here. Okay, that's a nice head bopper. It's not a bad one. Okay. 1980, Just Like, Romeo and Juliet, got to number 27 in Australia. Not released over here. Okay. I only like the chorus in that one. Okay. 1981, If You Leave leave Me, Can I Come Too? I got to number four. In Australia, it wasn't released over here. Okay. Well, it was calmer than the others I've had already. Um, I like the change in the beat, the sound, uh-huh. like throughout the song. Yeah. Okay. Um, 1981, Too Many Times. That got to number six in Australia. Wasn't released over here. Okay, this is a more of a jolly tune. Um, it's nice and catchy, another head bopper. Okay. 1983 we're going to now with Spirits Got Lost. Got to number 20 in Australia. Wasn't released over here. Okay, it's not got much body to it, that one, to be fair. I just remember the video more than anything. Fine. 1985, You're So Strong. Got to number 11 in Australia. Wasn't released over here. Okay. They do a bit of like actual singing um, in the chorus. This is more the pop song. Uh-huh. Okay. And then finally, 1985's Live It Up. Got to number two in Australia. Got to number two in the UK. Okay. Well, this was my favourite. 
more up my street. It's got a good beat. So out of all of them, this is a good one to release over here. Yeah. And hence why it did do so well over yeah. here, um, as well as um, plenty of other countries. Number six, it got two in Ireland. Number three oh, okay. in Australia's, um, sorry, no, number number two in Ireland. Um, mm. Number six. Yeah, I said number two, didn't I? Did I say number two? Yeah. Number two in Ireland. Number, number six in New Zealand. Okay. Um, sorry, it only got to number three in the UK. I've re-looked at that. Oh, name. right. Okay. Number three, so three in, the in the UK. Yeah. Okay. And then um, it got to number 15 in Austria. Oh. Bit of a random one. So, yeah. Yeah, random place to hit. So, we move on to Wax. Yes. I don't know that, I mean, I've only been given two songs from these. I don't know their genre, so I went with New Wave, because um, it is hard to go off to. So I went for, you know, the all-time favourite of New Wave. Um, I think these are another duo act. Um, I didn't get to listen to any more, so I only listened to their two that you gave me. Um, uh-huh. The songs aren't too similar, but they give off the same vibe, if you get my drift. Um yeah. They're older guys, and they played around with graphics and animation in the video for Bridge to Your Heart. Um, You don't see much of them in the videos, so, like, Bridge to Your Heart is a lot of, like, animation. Um, And Right Between the Eyes is... I don't even think there was an actual video for Right Between the Eyes. Um, So I don't really get... I don't really know their style, but... From flashing from the graphic animation to live performance, um, the vocalist hair is very memorable. It's quite bushy, I should say. Um, it was quite hard to pick a favourite at these. Okay, so Wax were Andrew Gold on vocals and Graham Goldman on bass and guitar. They were founded in 1983 in Manchester, England and are a pop rock new wave band. Okay, new waves in there, I guess. So they got they got together was, well, through another band, so okay. of which you've listened to. So Andrew Gold was called by the head of A&R, of the artists and repertoire, um, in other words, a talent scout, right. um, at Warner Brothers. Um, his name was Lenny Warunka, uh, to ask if he would be interested in adding some additional cuts to the new 10cc album. As Lenny thought it needed something more to benefit the US audience. And Andrew Gold is from California. So, um, well, first of all, I think the conversation was, have you heard of 10CC? And Andrew Gold evidently to some and said, yeah, I love that music and that. And then he was asked, oh, that's good. Would you like to add, have some input into their album, into their new music, some of their new music? Because obviously um, by this time, um, Lowell Low and the other one, uh, Lowell Creme, and I can't think of the other one's name now. Ah. Uh, Godly, Kevin Godly, Godly and Cream. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. They'd left 10CC by now. 
and um, it was just the uh, the other two, Goldman and Eric Stewart. So he was our, obviously they they've lost a bit of I suppose a bit of the spark, mm. and so he wanted this this talent scout thought gold could be the person to put it back in and get them notice in America. A new lease of life. So um, gold agreed. Um, he said it would. In fact, he said it would be an honour. Oh. Um, however, he said only as long as the two members of 10CC, Graham Goldman and Eric Stewart, agreed. Luckily oh. for him, they did agree and all got on so well, they asked Gold to become a full-time member of the band. However, Gold turned down that chance, of which he now says, and this is his words, for various reasons, which now seem dumb to me, and after great consideration, I turned them down in favour of pursuing my own career as a soloist and with my band Brindle back in America. So it didn't happen. Fair enough. But, like, in hindsight, you could look back and be like, oh, yeah. I wish I did that. But at the time, you know, we had other plans. Can't. So I get it. So it wasn't long until Graham and Andrew were talking again and Goldman asked Gold to return to England um, to hang out with him writing songs for a few weeks. Mm. Gold ended up staying for seven months as Eric Stewart had decided to take some time off from 10CC. And it wasn't long before Goldman and Gold realised they were basically writing and recording a homemade album in um, Goldman's home studio. So the original band name was World in Action, um, but then they changed it to Common Knowledge. However, after two singles, Don't Break My Heart and Victoria had failed to get any attention, the album they were writing was shelved. Now, bear this in mind, that album has been shelved, okay? So we already know they've wrote enough songs for an album, they've said that, and they released two of them. The album's now been shelved because they were, weren't hits, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they then started working on some more songs for a new album, and this time they took the name Wax. Mm -hmm. They were signed to RCA Records and ended up releasing three studio albums, although the third album, 100,000 Fresh Notes, failed to achieve the success of the previous two. And both Goldman and Gold parted to continue their other ventures with Goldman and Stewart reforming 10CC. While Gold did contribute to 10CC on their track Charity Begins at Home, he also went home to America and reformed his original band, Brindle, to record their self-titled album. However... Following 10CC's second split, Gold and Goldman continue, or Goldman continued to work together as Wax, with a compilation album, The Rax Files, being released in 1997. Finally, in 1998, they finished their first album, now named Common Knowledge. Dot com, okay. but under the name Wax. So the album's now called that Common is. Knowledge rather than the group, oh, the but it's yeah. under the name of Wax. And that's the one um, that they chose their very first one. Yeah, yeah. 
um, and that had several new tracks on it. They also okay. released an album of rarities and outtakes called Bikini In. It's called Bikini, and that was released in 2000, with a live album released in 2019. But it must have been a pre-recorded oh. live album. They are, obviously, you'll find out why later. Right, okay. Although they never again reached the highs of White Between the Eyes and from the first album, um, Magnetic Heaven, or Bridge to Your Heart from their second album, American English, Andrew Gold sadly was diagnosed with kidney cancer. And while responding well to treatment, he sadly on June the 3rd, 2011, died in his sleep from heart failure. At the age oh, okay. of fifty-nine, in Los Angeles. People are dying. So and that's why I'm saying they had a live album in 2019, but it obviously was a pre-recorded one because yeah. obviously Andrew Gold died in 2011. Yeah. Um. So although Bridge to Your Heart was their only success in the UK, it was actually the single Right Between the Eyes which got them their first number one. When it charted at not at it, well peaked at that position in Spain, while it also charted at number forty three in the Billboard Hot one hundred. So, the group itself, Wax, only had one top twenty single over here. They had no albums released, or at least they had them released, but they didn't they didn't do anything over here or in our charts anyway. Should I say? Yeah. American English was the best one. It got to number 59. Okay. That's, I mean, it's not the worst we've had. There are two singles you had. was 1986, White Between the Eyes. Mm -hmm. And although it got to number one in Spain, it only got to number 60 over here. But I gave you it. Yeah, number 60. I gave you it because um, it was quite an important track as far as wax went yeah so well, that's why i gave um, you it i'm glad you gave me it it was my favorite out of the uh -huh. two i love the beat although it is quite a similar beat all the way through it doesn't change much it's just a great sounding song uh-huh mm. and then 1987 bridge to your heart got to number 12 Oh, okay. Well, I like that one as well. It was upbeat, catchy, a nice head bopper. Okay. So that brings us to the end of episode six. It does indeed. All I need to do now is find out what you thought. Yeah. What do you think? What are you going to get? As, as I said earlier, it's hard to read. So I'm going to go for three hits. I'm going to go half and half. Okay. Oh, and it could be the first three, or we could go hit, 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 and I'm thinking, yeah, you get my hopes up, and then it goes miss, miss, miss. Okay. So we, right. we shall see. All right. Well, Bross was a hit. Yeah. I did enjoy them. Like I say, it was an unexpected good start. Uh, Climby Fisher was also a hit. Really enjoyed them. Uh, then Jericho was also a hit considering they had a bit of a rock tone to them there wasn't one song that i disliked voice of beehive that is a myth though 
it's just not for me. I did, you know, I liked a couple, but I don't think I'd go back to them. Don't call me baby. No, didn't do it no, for you. No, sorry. Um, and mental as anything, it's the same. It's another myth. Ah, uh, you've just I been. Just um, get on to you've them. just lost us. I don't know how many viewers now in Australia. Well, I'm really sorry. I just <laughs> couldn't get get with it. Though you know, I did like a couple. There's a couple that I would listen to again, but as a whole, they're just not for me. And then what? I mean, they only had two songs. Yeah. But they're a hit. Oh, wow. I really enjoyed the two songs. Like I say, it was hard to pick a favourite. Um, so they are someone... Like, I've searched them on Spotify to see if, you know, they had any other anything else I can listen to. And, you know, there seems to be a bit more on there that I could have a look at. Might have a look at their Common Knowledge album. Okay. Well, I'll take that. Four out of six, as I said. I think it, I always thought it was going to be a good week. Um, I'm yeah, a big did. fan of um, Bloss, although I'm, I've, I've gone off them a little bit due to they don't actually write the songs, which... Um, you know, but um, no, and I like Climbing Fitcher. Um, we actually had um, Love Changes Everything at our wedding, not as our dance, but it was at our wedding. So we like that song. And um, then Jericho, I love. I absolutely think they're brilliant. I haven't managed to see them live yet. Um, they were meant to do Rewind or Let's Rock, whichever one it was, yeah. so it postponed, and they weren't in the rearranged date. Mm. So, um, haven't seen um, them, although obviously it wouldn't be the original lineup. Obviously, Mark no. Shaw, the vocalist, would still be with them. So yeah, I'll take that. And Wax was a bit of a yeah, bit of a surprise at the end there. So, are like you Wax. ready for? Hey, I like Wax. That was a yeah, nice no, no, for me. No. So yeah, are you now ready for next week? I am. Okay. Keep going with the like on the up. We're not going backwards. Yeah. Okay, so the Christians. Okay. Not had it in. Johnny hates jazz. You've mentioned them before, but I've not heard of them. But I've only heard of the name because you've mentioned it somewhere, maybe in a previous episode. In excess. No. Danny Wilson. No. Black. No. And Crowded House. No. Ah. Hey, it's another mystery week. Another mystery week for you. It is. Another interesting week. So. You say interesting. Well, as in because you've never heard of them and don't know what you're going to be in for. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. I will say it's uh, another week like this week um, in that, that the bands are short-lived, not many hits, but um, okay. yeah, I've, I've, I think you'll like, like this week, but we shall find out next week when we... Um, Meet up again. 
meet up and review your week. Yeah. On that note, I will say goodbye. And um, I will get the songs over to you as yeah. soon as. Um, okay. And um, we'll discuss them next week. All right. Enjoy. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.